Good morning, Thrive. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Your pastor, David, asked me to speak, and we tried to figure out how to do it, and it looked like this video might be the, the best in this season of COVID and all of that. I just want to start by saying you have an amazing church staff. Uh, the people on your staff are just really high level, and I, I'm, I actually started by saying good morning, so they couldn't edit this part out because I just really wanted you to hear how highly we as a community of Ignite actually bless and celebrate the church staff there at Thrive. And if God has given you these leaders, then he's done that because he really believes that what God, what he wants to do and what he wants you to do is matters, matters greatly and it has high value. So even just the reflection of the leadership that you have should tell you that this church body really does matter to the kingdom of God and to the heart of the Father. So when you go through challenging times, which all of us have, I guess, in the COVID season, but when you've gone through those and whatever others that you may go through in the future, may you remember that the Lord has spoken destiny over you, and that's evidenced by the leadership team that he has given to you. So once again, it's my privilege to be able to uh, walk with you into the kingdom of God, into the word of God today. In fact, we're actually going to talk about what it means to live in the kingdom of God and not in the world that swirls all around us. So let's pray, and then we're going to jump into it. So Lord, we just give you this time. We um, are so grateful that you call us into your presence like this. So even if it's online, even if it's um, a video, but your presence still can go through the airwaves. So I just ask you to wash your people in the Thrive community with your presence. Open your words, speak it deeply and directly to them. May they experience your delight in them and your hope for them. May the word that you have for them come alive and reinterpret the circumstances that they are in, even in this moment. I pray for homes, for families, for people in their work situations, for people in the neighborhood. I pray for those who are facing sicknesses and challenges of different kinds. Again, we ask that you would pour your presence over this moment. We ask this in the name of your son who welcomes us into the presence of the throne room. Amen. So when Jesus comes in Mark chapter 1, his opening preaching sermon, his opening sentence is this. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near or is here. Repent and believe. He announces that we could actually live in the kingdom of God. We don't have to wait. We actually could live in the kingdom of God in the middle of all the chaos and the challenges. When Jesus announces this word, the people would have had ears to hear because they knew that at some point God was supposed to enter their world through the Messiah and he would usher in a new season, a new dispensation, a new reality, and that would be that the king would then be on the earth. Their picture was that this Messiah, whoever it might be, there had been a number who, who they thought were and claimed to be the Messiah, but this Messiah would expel the Roman government, and then they'd have earthy peace. They would be back to the promised land that they had lived. Here's the challenge. There are a lot of people today that are still thinking that's what God is doing in his kingdom. They have an idea that if they, if they chase him, if they follow him, that their whole life is going to be ordered and nice, 
and it'll kind of be what's in their head of the picture of their life will actually become the reality. But that wasn't what Jesus was inviting them into. Paul actually prays in Ephesians that the people, that the eyes of the people's hearts would be enlightened, that they could actually see, not just with the eyes in their head, because in your world, even today, and in their world then, there was chaos all around. It, it wasn't comfortable. It, it wasn't at peace. It wasn't full of hope. It was a very challenging season. So Paul was praying in Ephesians that the eyes of their heart would be opened, enlightened, so that they could see how much God loves them. But that wouldn't just be a touchy-feely kind of a love, but how he has destiny for them and hope for them. So it was an invitation, again, to see the kingdom of God that's here. So this morning, what I want us to be able to do is learn how can we not live, how can we live, let me restate it, how can we live in the kingdom of God when all around us is chaos and crazy? How do we make the transition from the world in which we do live in the earthiness with money challenges and health challenges and situations at work and situations in our home? How do we still live in the kingdom that Jesus said is here how do we live in the kingdom while we are enduring, if you want to say it that way, or living life here on earth? So I'm going to show you how to do that. It's, it's, the, it's the path of joy. It's a path of hope. And it's easy to do once you know to do it. So here's where we're going to start. When Jesus announces this, quickly after that, he goes to some disciples, Peter, James, and John, and they were fishermen. And he says to them, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Those men had no idea of the joy and the ride and the adventure they were about to enter. They had no idea. They just knew they were being invited and probably somehow they had seen the ministry of Jesus and watched some things. And so when he invites them to follow, he knew their heart that they would say yes. And they did. They left their business and they just started walking after Jesus, following him. They were in a sense apprentices and they would watch and they would follow so they got to see things that no one else had ever seen. In John 9, the scripture is that no one's ever opened the eyes of one born blind, but they were firsthand witnesses that now it's happened. When Jesus fed the 5,000, those 12 disciples, including John, that's who I want to focus on for a moment today, including John was one of those people that when they had five fish and a couple of five loaves of bread and a couple of fish, and Jesus blessed them and broke them and distributed them. And when they took them up, every disciple was holding a basket of food. And every, each one of them would have to say, what in the world just happened? Because they only had five loaves. Now they have 12 basketfuls. What happened? How did God take this? So the move of God, the kingdom that was real, was beginning to move around inside of them in their mind, in their heart. They would have to start asking different questions because they could see that the kingdom was here even though in the real world they were short on resources, but in the kingdom they weren't short at all. They had more than enough resources, and so that begins to happen for them. They watch Jesus teach in ways that it cuts the hearts of people. They watch him heal so much that people are just lining up. And they had to watch when he would go to the next town because he said his ministry wasn't just healing. It was the kingdom of God. It was preaching. That ought to give us a clue. Because to be honest with you, for, for most of us, we kind of want God to take care of our life here. 
And so we would line up for the healing and for the power displays and not understand that the power displays are about his presence and that he was inviting them into the kingdom. So when Peter sees Jesus praying alone one night after some significant moments of healing, Peter comes to him and says, hey, this is a paraphrase, but this thing is working. There's people all over the place. They're looking for you, waiting for you because he was healing. And that's when Jesus says, that's not the only ministry we're going to have. We have to go to the other towns and preach and in essence proclaim the kingdom of God because God wants all of us to live in his kingdom. The problem is, don't hear it mean, but most of us have no idea how. We do life as best we can. We've been taught go to church, so we do. And we hope that somehow when we go to church, that'll be sufficient at least to get God off of our back. But he doesn't actually, he's not on our back. He wants to get in our heart. That's a whole different picture. He wants to do life with us. He wants to walk with us through the chaos and the challenges and the joys. And he wants to do more than just solve the problems that we're facing in the moment. He wants to show us and unlock this incredible beauty of his kingdom. It's as if there's this other world that exists that most people have no idea exists. They would think you're weird because you're talking about things that they can't see and can't taste or feel or touch. And so the senses, the physical senses become the discerning factors of what's real, what's not real. That's why Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. It's a kingdom that shapes who you are and how you are, and it allows you to live in a chaotic world with joy and hope and peace. So the question is, how do you move from this world of chaos into the world of the kingdom where hope and peace and joy and righteousness and goodness lives? When John was following Jesus, there were moments when Jesus gave him authority, all the disciples, and they went and they discovered that the authority of Jesus would allow them to actually minister to people at a very high level. And they came back and they said to Jesus, whoa, this is something else. Even the demons are subject because of your authority upon us. But Jesus said to them again, that's not actually, that's really cool, but that's not actually the foundation of your joy. The foundation of your joy is a relationship with me. That's where the joy comes from. Not the experience of power, but in his presence. So John continues to walk with Jesus and he's, uh, he's actually very, he's the best friend of Jesus in the gospel of John. He's the beloved. And so he becomes the, this, the, the disciple that Jesus loves. He becomes that person. And when Jesus was with Peter, James, and John, it was John that he most connected with. And so you probably have people you just really connect with and John was that for Jesus. When they're at the Last Supper, the disciples asked John to ask a question because he was leaning over. He was seated beside, seated beside Jesus. And so he asked the question about who's going to betray. When Jesus is crucified, he's on the cross and there standing before him is John and his mother. The disciples mostly had left, but there stands John and Jesus' mother, Mary. Jesus then says to John, this is your mother, and to his mother, this is your son. So he takes care of his mother in his dying breaths. When Jesus has been crucified and put in the grave three days later, the word is that he's not there in the grave. And the women have said, hey, he's resurrected. So Peter and John go running to the tomb, 
And John gets there first. He apparently is quicker, but he stops and looks into the tomb and Peter runs into the tomb and sees what's there. So John was very involved in those moments. When the early church happens in Acts, John's a part of that moment. He's not actually too prominent. Uh, Peter, you hear a lot more about, and Paul, as you follow the book of Acts. But John is in there, and he is at times uh, involved in miracles, at times involved in being persecuted because of it. By the time we get to the book of Revelation, the world is a very different place for those who are believers in Christ. The persecution has intensified. That, that persecution that began in Acts chapter 8 that scattered the people has now put them all at such risk. They ran out of Jerusalem knowing that if they stayed, they probably would die. And they went throughout the world, but even then, throughout the world, the persecution continued. By the time John is writing the book of Revelation, he's the last disciple alive of the original 12. All of the others, that Judas was a betrayer, so the other 11 at that point, every one of them was persecuted and martyred. And John alone is left. So his world is dangerous. It's chaotic. He's older now, 60s or 70s. He's older, so his health would begin to be more of an issue to try to run and finally... The Roman government captures John and they put him on an isle of Patmos. He's in isolation because of his allegiance to Jesus, which again has to give us pause for a moment and say, you know, if you really want to follow Jesus, it won't always be easy. There will be moments you're misunderstood and moments you're actually rejected. There will be moments when it will feel like it's really a sacrifice or a loss. But John wasn't living in that. With all of the bad pieces that are in his world, while the world was chaotic and crazy and risky and fearful, he was living in the kingdom. So how do you do that? You have a world that's at risk. You have a world where it's politically galvanized and people aren't just differing opinions. They're actually angry and hurtful to each other. You live in a world where the racial tensions are heightened and it isn't that things don't need to be dealt with at times and places, but the anger, again, because of the hurt that's there, and the pandemic that causes masks and people are divided over the mask and sometimes people actually leave churches because they don't want to wear a mask and it's like it's a mask. It's not that big of a deal, but somehow it's a big deal to us. So the point of whether you care about the mask or not, the point is that this is a very chaotic world. It's very it's fretful of danger and people are so divided and so different and that's the chaotic world in which you live. So the question is, could you possibly live in the kingdom while all of this is going in your world. Some of you may have family situations with health or your, your kids have perhaps gone rogue or prodigal. And the question is, did, what did you do wrong to create that? The answer is nothing. 
Can I say that again? There's no perfect parent. You don't have to be a perfect parent to raise kids who chase the heart of God. And actually, sometimes very godly parents raise kids who choose not to chase the heart of God. That's a whole other message about how do we pray for our prodigals. But you can't live in the shame. When your family is in chaos, you have to step out of the chaos and step into the kingdom and figure out what God is doing and listen and learn how you to participate. What often happens when the world gets to be chaos is Satan accuses us like as parents or as spouses or as leaders of a business. And so instead of stepping forward to support and help, we step backward and when we need to be forward. So again, the question is, how do you move from the chaos world that is swirling around you? And it's not always like that, but it does happen on a regular basis. How do you stay centered in the kingdom of God so that while the world is chaotic, you can be at peace and joy and you can lead forward knowing where the hope is, knowing where the presence of God is, knowing where the destiny is. How do you make that move from there to here? And the answer is not that difficult to hear about, but it has to be a pattern in your life. In Revelation chapter 1, John, again, this is, there are some people who would say that John the apostle is not the author. Other people would say he was. For, the, for today, I'm a, I have an assumption in my own life that he actually, this is John the apostle. So if you would see it differently, the kingdom still, reality that I'm still speaking to you still is real, is still true. But in Revelation chapter 1, verse 9, John writes these words. He's ultimately going to give this whole book of Revelation to a series of churches that actually will tell them that while their world is full of chaos and pressure and persecution, the kingdom is here. Actually, in, the, in Smyrna, Polycarp, which if you know that name, was a church history name that you might know about. He was the pastor in Smyrna. Polycarp himself was trying to avoid being persecuted and martyred, but eventually they did catch him, and actually he decided to stop running and said, you know, if God wants me alive, I'll be alive. And Polycarp was a disciple of John, and John is writing this letter, and he write a letter, piece of the letter, to the Smyrna church where his good friend, Polycarp, had been murdered. And John had to work through the chaos to get into the kingdom. Here's how he does it. Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. I, John, your brother and your companion. Hear the relationship. I'm one of you. I'm one of you. Being a leader in the kingdom of God does not mean that you don't endure whatever everyone else endures. I'm one of you. I'm your brother. I'm your companion in the suffering and the kingdom of God. His life looked like the lives of others. I just need to stop and say to you, the difference in living in the kingdom is not that your world goes easy and peaceful. It's not a, you'll be blessed, you'll never get sick, you'll never have any financial troubles, you won't have any troubles with your kids, you won't, your marriage will always be easy. It's not that at all. I, John, your brother and your companion, I'm walking with you in suffering and in the kingdom. So both of those are coexisting in his own life, suffering and the kingdom. Suffering doesn't always mean as risk of death, though in his world it did. But the suffering in our world can be things aren't working out. And even in those moments, we can learn to live 
while we're living in the suffering, we're living in the, king, the kingdom. I, John, your companion in the kingdom, in the suffering and the kingdom, and in patient endurance. So once again, he's saying, I'm, I'm having to do what you, I'm having to wait. And that's the word we hate. And yet the scripture says, those who wait upon the Lord renew their strength. Patient endures, endurance. I'm your companion in suffering, the kingdom, and this patient endurance, this waiting. I'm going to read it to you again. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, all of those come through Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So he's been placed there in isolation by the Roman government. All the other apostles have been martyred. He's now in isolation, no idea what's going to happen to him. But watch what happens. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, and the, Jesus begins to speak to him. I don't want you to miss this piece. He's in the spirit on the Lord's day. How you've stopped living in the chaos, that's your world. And it will be the world of your kids. And it will be the world of your grandkids. It doesn't mean you don't work to make that world better. But as long as there is evil in the world, there will be the chaos. How you let the chaos, how you stop allowing the chaos to be the number one thing in your mind, to grab your soul and twist you and create anxiety and fear and frustration and protection and therefore criticism perhaps to others. How you stop that from happening is that you purposely get yourself into the kingdom of God. I, John, was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He was in the spirit. He was with the spirit. He was paying attention. He was in God's presence in a regular basis. That's how you do it. That's how you live in the kingdom of God. You cannot live in the kingdom of God when the chaos is all around you. You cannot live in the king kingdom of God when that's all you're dealing with. At some point, you have to leave the chaos and walk into his presence and let him tell you what's happening in the chaos. And get this, let him tell you what he's actually doing in the chaos. From time to time, I go through uh, patient endurance like you and the suffering like you. It's, I don't have it physically. I'm not at threat of someone uh, doing me physical harm, but I experience pain, disappointment, criticism, and suffering just like you. So recently, as I was thinking through some of that and praying through it, processing it, I'm actually in the presence of the Lord, and I'm asking him, would you talk to me about this moment? And here's what he said to me. Can I'm using this season of hardship in your soul to clarify your heart and what I'm doing. You could see all these things as bad. I'm saying I'm working good in them. And I want you to hear me, Ken, that I have to do this deeper work in you. Because when the world around you is not easy and there's not water to nourish your soul, the water is deep. And you're going to have to learn to spend more time with me 
to go deeper, to get the living water that's down underneath and not live in the parched part of life. That's how you move from the chaos to the kingdom. You're in his presence. You get real with Jesus in that moment. You tell him what you're dealing with and you ask for understanding. Some of the ways I've said this to people is that when we are in the throne room, in the presence of God, and I think Pastor David has talked to you guys about the triangle. So when we live at the bottom of the triangle, we live in the presence of God, we take ourselves there and we take our life there and everything converges in that place where God's presence is. So you take what you're dealing with and you ask God about it and you, under, you, you interpret your world through the scripture and you take what's happening in your world and you ask God about it and you ask for scriptural understanding and wisdom so that you know how to deal with your family, your own self, your family, your kids, your own needs, your own desires, your own anger, and then everything else. Those converge in the presence of God. That's how the shift is made. That's how you step out of the chaos and into the kingdom. But it starts like this. It starts with just regularly having unhurried time in God's presence. In our church, what we've said to people is one of the ways you could do this is use your drive time. Most people drive 10 minutes or longer to work, maybe a lot longer. And so turn off the radio and start having conversation with God. And I say that because I understand it's hard for many people who work all day and have kids and all of those things, and then their drive time is the only time they have. So yes, use it. Invite the Holy Spirit to sit down in the seat beside you and just start asking the Lord, what would he like to talk to you about? Take a moment and start worshiping and be grateful that he's in charge, that he's majesty, and then bring your situations, whatever your circumstances are, and you ask him. It's the intentionality of not letting the world spin around and grab our heads and our hearts, but choosing to believe the kingdom of God is here. So when Jesus began his message, his work, his ministry, he starts with this message. The kingdom of God is here. It's available. What you have to do is repent and believe. Most of us would see, and it includes this, the repentance is I need to confess my sins. Absolutely, that's where it starts. But repentance is more than just confess what I've done wrong. Repentance is a turn. It's a turning. So I have to learn different patterns. I have to believe that his kingdom is here even if I don't see the evidence. So I can't always look with the eyes of my head. I need to look with the eyes of my heart. And friends, hear me say this. What God wants to do in the Thrive community, the Thrive body of Christ, requires that you learn to hang out in his presence. Some days it'll be really like rockets and you'll hear his voice and some days and sometimes it's elongated seasons, you don't really hear much. But you repented. You've chosen to give focus to his kingdom. You activate your faith and believe that he loves you, your family, your work situations, and it matters to him. He's going to speak to you. The thing is that most of the time he speaks to us in ways that are above our ways. So again, we kind of want to say, God, I need money. If you just send the check and he's usually saying, I'm doing something bigger than your money in the moment. We watch what happens to our kids and we feel fear. We pray for our kids. That's a cool thing. That's a good thing. But often he's saying, I'm doing something bigger. One last story. 
One of my friends in the church here at Grace River in Orlando was praying about his kid one day, and he's, he's saying to the Lord, I'm contending for my kid's heart. And the father says back to him, that's very noble. But I'm actually going after her heart, and I need you to join me in how I'm doing that. So he as a dad was trying to protect his kid, but the Holy Spirit was saying, it's not about protection right now. It's about development. You only know that when you get out of the chaos and step up higher into the kingdom. When you believe the king is here, the kingdom is here, the Holy Spirit is active, and so you believe it by getting in his presence and saying to the Lord Most High, how are you working in my kid's life? That day changed his world with his kid because then he said, I get it. I will fit with you as you chase my daughter's heart. So today I just want to invite you. Do you live in a world that's chaos? I guess there are seasons and times when it feels like it's not so chaotic and then other times it feels like it's hugely chaotic. The past year, year and a half, been super, super chaotic in lots of different fronts. But I invite you today not just to live in the world that you can see, but the world that really is. But that's only accessible through Jesus. You have to do what John did, be in the spirit on the Lord's day. You could hear that meaning it was just a one-time experience, but John was regularly worshiping and being in his presence. It was on the Lord's day that he spoke the book of Revelation to him. So I say to you again, you have two choices. You could live in the chaos, feel discouraged, feel fear, feel anxiety, wonder what tomorrow will hold, or you can live in the kingdom where there's hope and joy, destiny, and future. Today I invite you, let's leave that world. Let's go into this world. And as you leave that world of chaos, if you feel like your family's over there, take them with you in your heart over here to the kingdom. If you feel like your finances are at risk over here, pick them up. Let's take them over and ask the Lord what he wants to do in the kingdom. If your health's at risk, let's pick it up. Let's take it over and let's let the Lord be the Lord. Be in the spirit. Be in his presence. I want to pray for you and ask God to show you what he's doing in your life. So right now, Holy Spirit, I pray for the Thrive community. I just picture families and single people and moms and dads and husbands and wives and brothers and sisters, people going to work, people wondering what their world is going to be like, and I declare your blessing over them. I pray that you will put the longing in their heart, that you will woo them to come back into your kingdom doesn't mean they were never there, but to learn that pattern that John learned. I pray that as they chase your heart and try to figure out how to spend time with you, Holy Spirit, would you be faithful? Would you speak to them? I pray that you'd whet their appetite and say, yes, this is how you do it. And so right now, I speak this word that you have spoken. The kingdom of God is here. They actually can experience you. We declare it as true. Now I pray for the 
leaders of Thrive, the pastoral staff and the other leaders around them, I ask you, Lord, that you reveal in your kingdom what you have for them. I pray every challenge that they face, they would interpret it in the spirit on the Lord's day in the kingdom. I pray for the blessing of your hand upon that church and that community that Tulsa would be different because you have people there. May your grace flow to them. I ask it in your name. Amen. So thank you for allowing me to be with you today and speak God's heart for you. I do pray that you'll have a sense that his kingdom really is here and that while the world spins around you, you don't have to spin in it. So may God bless you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be faithful to you. May tomorrow as you use some drive time, may you shift from the world into the kingdom and know that we're here for you in the Ignite community. God bless.